Oh, I love it. Happy Mother's Day. I actually don't feel like um, I have to have a Mother's Day redo. I think this is, um, is it a Mother's Day that I would choose? No, not necessarily, but it is special. Uh, this is my second Mother's Day as a mother. I actually already received my first Mother's Day gift, I think, on Tuesday. My 11-year-old did uh, kind of a bigger school project for Mother's Day. And, uh, you know, doing uh, a school project for mom at school, at home, at, like, your mother's kitchen table uh, creates some conflicts. Um, but she, she gave it to me on Tuesday, and it's just very sweet. But I think we'll look back at this um, next Mother's Day. Hopefully it will be very different, more social, um, you know, I'm maybe a, a cafe, a brunch involved. Um, but we'll look back at this as a, a special, uh, different time together. And uh, Amanda, I just really agree with you. I think um, the resiliency of my kids, I'm thankful for, impressed by my two human beings every day. I look at uh, the youth, I'm impressed with how well that they have handled this uh, huge change to their lives. Uh, speaking of changes and, and holidays, fun stuff, friends, have you ever missed out on a really good party? Maybe a, a birthday party that you just had scheduling conflicts with or, or a wedding that you couldn't make it to, airline tickets, whatever, you missed out on that special moment? Yeah, I have a friend who has actually already gone to two Zoom weddings. It's just the beginning of the wedding season. She obviously knows way more people than I do, but she's been to two Zoom online weddings already. Crazy. Our definition of a fun party is starting to change a little bit. I uh, dropped off some things for one of my friends, well lysol sanitized things uh, for one of my friends, and I sat in her driveway. Uh, I'm wearing my mask. The window is just cracked. Uh, I'm talking to her. She's six feet away from the car. We've got all these, you know, barriers in between us. Um, but, you know, talked to her for a bit in her driveway. The highlight of my week. It was great to see her. So we're in this series called Stories Jesus Told. And uh, Jesus told a story about two sons who came real close to missing out on an amazing party that their generous father was throwing. And Jesus tells this story because he doesn't want us to miss out on what God is doing, on the amazing party that the goodness that God has for us and holds out for us. Jesus doesn't want us to miss out. Uh, this story is uh, found in Luke 15. Let's take a look at it. The setting is Jesus is uh, talking to some of the religious leaders, the Pharisees and uh, tax collectors. Uh, and um, tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of the religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. Jesus accepts these people, and the religious leaders are suspicious. Why are these degenerates flocking to Jesus? They're not coming to our church services. What's up with that? You know, Jesus, God came down to, to live with people. And what's the biggest complaint about him? Mm, not religious enough. God isn't religious enough. Go figure. Anyways, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of the property now before you die. The word for property here is bios, life. He's asking his dad to take his home, his, his property, where he lives, to sell off the possessions that he enjoys and give him his inheritance now. He's wishing for him to be like dead prematurely. 
However, his father remains calm and kind throughout. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his two sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land where he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. Consequences. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed pigs. Very degrading for, for Jews. You know, Jews and Muslims don't eat pork or, or touch pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding to the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have enough food to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. He ran to meet his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His father said, he's, the son said to his father, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. You know what he needs is he's bedraggled and half starving and dirty. He needs a beautiful ring for his finger, sandals for his feet, and kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine has now returned to life. He was lost and now is found. So the party began. The son, he tries to roll out his business plan, five steps for restitution, and he can't even get the words out. His dad's already shoving a glass of his retirement champagne into his hand and saying, drink up. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house, and he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother's back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry. You know what that kid has put us through? He would not go in. His father came out and begged him. He made his father, the host of this amazing party, leave his party and come out and beg his son. He stands outside and publicly, publicly cast a vote of no confidence in his father's actions. The son said, look, there's no like, look father, daddy, there's no honorific. Basically, look you. All these years I've been slaving for you and never once refused to do a single thing you ever told me to do. I wonder if that's totally true. And all that time you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. I also wonder if that's totally true. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, uh, that part is true, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. His father said to him, Look, dear son, you have always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost and now is found. You know, have you ever received a really generous gift? I think about last Christmas, I was uh, in Connecticut celebrating with my family, my sister uh, and her husband and kids, my two little nephews, seven and five, came out. And um, 
my five-year-old nephew gave me a Christmas present. And we don't usually, we give my nephews presents, um, but my nephews will sometimes make us a little something. They don't really get us presents. Um, you know, I'm not saying I'm rich, but compared to the five-year-old, my purchasing power is much greater. So it's kind of a one-way street in that thing. So I looked at it, and I kind of wondered if it was a mistake. It was a decent-sized present. I said, really, Brayden, you got me something? And uh, he's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I open it up, and inside is the well-loved, well-worn, his favorite stuffed animal. And I pull that out, and I said, Braven, you're giving me Lammy? And he just stands back, and he, like, nods and, and smiles. And it, it brought tears to my eyes. I was really just so so surprised and touched. And we are surprised by real generosity. We never expect or, or plan on, you know, above and beyond generosity. These guys, they have a super generous father, and they just do not get their dear old dad. They don't understand who he is and his generosity. So let's look at how these sons don't understand their parent. The first son, he thinks he has to demand. He has to, to demand to go before his father and tell him, give me what I want now. The second son, he thinks he has to deserve and earn and, and be the perfect child to get what he wants. Both of them think that they have to demand or deserve from ultimately a stingy father. How many of us go before God and demand Say, God, I need this. I want this. Please, I've been good. You have to give it to me. The older son, he thought he deserved more, that he deserved better because he was better. We often come to God with an attitude of deserving. I go to church. I pray. You need to help me with this problem. But it is not just religious people. We, we in general, think that we deserve good things from God because, well, you know, we haven't done anything particularly bad. We think that we deserve to be out of this whole coronavirus mess because, I don't know, we're, we're, we're living in America and, and we're right and we're the world's superpower and surely we're smart enough to have fixed this thing by now. We think that God ought to bless us. And listen, friends, I, I'm lonely and would like nothing better than a nice friend's lunch out, but I don't deserve it. And I am frequently a little overwhelmed with homeschooling my kids, but do I deserve school? You know, humans throughout history have, have worked and had their kids with them. Uh, though I do think if you were hunting, gathering, you know, the five-year-old could do a little bit more gathering than, you know, a five-year-old can help me with my spreadsheets. But be that as it may, you know, I am a human being, um, and I don't deserve schools or cafes or, or some of these things much as, you know, it can be a struggle to not have them. When, when we start to get into this deserving mentality, me, my, my rights, mine, I, I've been good, when we do that, we, like the older brother, step away from the father's table. We, we start analyzing the pantry for something better. We start looking at our neighbor's place saying like, hmm, he got a little bit more, instead of just accepting and enjoying the father's feast when we stop deserving, we stop searching for, for better, we can just go inside and accept what God has for us. And then both of these kids, they wanted control. 
The younger son wanted control of the money. He wanted to use it for his pleasures right now. The older son, he wanted to control judgment. He wanted to say how his father spent his money, when, where, on most deserving cases. He wanted to control judgment. The younger son wanted the father's money, but so did the older son. He wanted to control how his father spent his resources. The older son ingratiated himself and stayed close and wanted control. The younger son just took the money and and ran. But both of them wanted to tell the father what to do. Give me my inheritance now. Don't give your money to that, you know, good for nothing. Give it to me. Instead, the younger son brazenly asked for the money. The older son secretly believed he ought to get the money. And let's think for a minute about these guys and their desires, what they really wanted and longed for. The, the younger son, he just ran after his desires. He wants, he's just like off, off he goes. The older son, he represses his desires under, under a good layer of, of shoulds and moral conformity and religion and tradition, running after or, or repressing. The problem isn't that they wanted things. The problem is, is how they went about and how they dealt with their desires. How about you? Are you, are you a runner or, or a repressor? What the call for both of them was, was to just lay out their desires in front, uh, put them on the table, and find fulfillment at the Father's table for what they wanted. Both sons are wrong. Both sons are deeply loved. And the Father deals with both sons in a very similar way. He humbles himself with both. He, he runs out to meet the younger son. He goes out to beg the, the older son. Check this out. When he sees the younger one returning, he doesn't sit there and wait for him to properly like come and apologize and, and grovel. He runs out to meet him. Now, running in this culture in the ancient Near East was not something that the patriarch of the household would have done. Kids, soldiers, you know, maybe women, they would have ran. But the patriarch of the household, he sits and you come to him. And Jesus throws in this little detail here. He says he, he gathered up his robes so he could run even faster. And so he gathered up his robes and like exposed his bare leg. Very, very disgraceful, humiliating in that culture. His love for his son was undignified, humiliating. The, the gospel, the good news of our faith is that God doesn't sit in heaven and wait for us to come and apologize. He leaves his comfortable heavenly home, comes down to earth, ultimately dies humiliated naked on a cross. It's the father's love to bring his kids home. God doesn't count our mistakes against us. He just keeps coming after us, running after us. Uh, the Bible says, 2 Corinthians 5, 19, that God was in Christ Jesus reconciling the world to himself, not even counting people's sins against them. I was uh, talking to my hairdresser, and this will date the conversation. Uh, unfortunately, I was not talking to my hairdresser in early March. I, I really wish, I wish I, I uh, just cut my husband's hair. And I would say it looks totally all right. But no one else in my household is cutting my hair. So unfortunately, this is a conversation I had in like mid-January with my hairdresser. And uh, she's a very interesting woman, raised uh, Buddhist, 
married to a Catholic guy, uh, very knowledgeable, really, about uh, world religions. And she was saying, you know, the one thing that really bothers me about Christianity is this idea that you can just, you know, apologize for something and then get forgiven. She's like, no, it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. You can't just apologize and, and, and be forgiven and then everything's fine and you're fine. It doesn't even matter what you did. And, you know, there, there's real truth to that. You can't just parrot words and say, I'm sorry, you have to change. Uh, the process of repentance is changing. God is just, but also at the center of our Christian faith, she's right, is a God of grace and mercy who does not even count our sins against us. And at the center of this story is the cross. Is there a price for the younger son for, for wasting and spending all this money? Is, is there a cost to that? Yes. Yes, there is. And the father pays that price himself. God suffers for us. God gives and gives and gives. And also in this story, there's a goal. There's a point to this story. The goal of this story is for the father to get both his sons to that table with himself. As I said, uh, I don't think this story should be called the prodigal excessive or reckless son. I think it should be called the prodigal father. Actually, I don't think it should be called that. I think it should be called the amazing feast and the two sons who don't want to come because that's the whole goal of the story is this amazing feast that the father has and wants to get his kids to. But getting there, getting there, both sons had something to repent of, control, wasting the things of the father, wanting the things of the father without the father, demanding, de deserving, um, thinking that they, their father was stingy, thinking that they could be happy far away from their father. The younger son did repent. He did change, come back home, uh, because he realized that's where any fulfillment was. At the center of the story is the father's sacrifice, total and, and just undeserving the father's suffering and giving and giving and giving, just wanting his sons home with him. And when we accept, God throws this lavish party for us. Turn to the father and receive the best. God doesn't give us leftovers. God celebrates us no matter what we've done. And there is joy at the father's table. Where do we find joy and happiness? Where do we find real joy in the midst of shelter in place and during this stressful time? The younger son thought he found joy in fun and self-discovery. The older son thought it was found in, in just being right and staying the course and, and doing the right thing. Joy is found at the Father's table at being with God, at accepting his generosity, not being right or wrong or in control. And that's the goal of the story, getting both sons to the Father's table, and that's the goal of our lives, of accepting the goodness of God without judgment, without demanding, of sitting and enjoying what God generously gives us. Our society has plenty of younger sons, wasteful, impulsive, loose, short-sighted. We have plenty of older sons, judgmental, stingy, withholding, demanding, deserving. What we don't have enough of is the father, radical, too much, generous, love over the top that restores us and heals us and brings us into a right relationship with God and each other.
in the contest between the Epicurean and the, the ethical, love triumphs over all. The question is often asked of this story. Who do you identify with? Do you identify with the younger son? The rebel who, who leaves the things of God and goes wild lifestyle? Or do you identify with the older son? The, the religious fundamentalist uh, who's always been the quote-unquote good kid who, who just thinks he's, he's right and is, is caught up in his own rightness and, and judgmental. We do not have to choose between the two sons. We can choose to be like the father. We can choose to come home. We can choose to let go of control. We can choose to accept and not demand, to accept and not deserve. We can hear the music and the dancing and go inside. We can live in a place of radical grace and generosity. Friends, today I want to take my place at the Father's table. I, I want to, to choose to let go of demanding and deserving. Will we choose to be like the Father, not the two sons? Will, will we join the Father in a lifestyle of radical grace and generosity? If you want to choose to, to accept the invitation to the Father's table in the midst of everything else going on, to let go of control, to believe the best about the Father. Will you pray with me? Jesus, we thank you that you told this story so many years ago, and it still rings true in our hearts today, that you love us, whichever mistakes we've made, that you love us and you just want us with you. So right now, our hearts say yes. Our hearts say yes to letting go of control. And some of the things that we want now, we let go of control. And some of the things that we think we deserve, we let go of control. We choose you. We choose to believe that you are generous and not stingy. Thank you for going out to us every time, for starting with us every time. We open our hearts to you, Jesus. We recognize your call. We let our hearts hear the music of heaven, the joy and the dancing. We respond to you. We soften our hearts to you. We say yes in Jesus' name. Amen.